Hello, my magical friends. My name is Ayumi. My pronouns are she, her, hers, and you're listening to Sparkle Side Chats with Magical Girl Ayu. Whether it's your first or 23rd time listening, we welcome you to our space to celebrate magical girls from every corner of the world. First, I want to say I'm very sorry if there's any audio trouble with this introduction. I have really terrible hay fever as spring has started, and despite everything, it's I feel as medicated as possible, and yet it's just not stopping, so uh, I have to just keep persisting, I guess. Hope everyone had a nice week. Uh, happy International Women's Day. Great time to celebrate women around the world. Today is going to be a little bit different. Because we have a very, very long chat, I tried my best to reduce our two-hour-long recording to a short amount of time, but there simply wasn't any way I could make it any shorter. Because of that, I will not be talking about what I've been watching this week. I will wait and hold that off for next time. But there is some news, so we'll get into that in a minute. But before we get into news, I wanted to just shout out some reviews. So... Of course, rating and reviewing podcasts is an extremely great free way to support podcasts. Not just this one, but any podcast that you enjoy, I would highly recommend taking the time to review it. Doing this is extremely helpful for assisting the algorithm so that other people can find the same podcasts and so that they can get more listeners. You know, this is something that I would recommend you do once in a while. I was trying to figure out if there was any way for me to get sent notifications. And I can't find anything like that, so I was just kind of snooping around, and I noticed we had two, so I wanted to read them on the podcast. And if you give us a rating, a review, I will always read those reviews on the podcast from now on. So I do have to specify, these are people that I know pretty well already, but we have Le Pichier, who says, title, Magical Girls with a Twist. Ayu's got a flair for magical girls, but not just Sailor Moon or Precure. Finding a podcast that is open to other forms of the genre and mediums is really refreshing and entertaining. Binged all 17 podcasts and loved every minute of them. For any Maho Shoujo fans, this is the podcast for you. So thank you very much. Of course, this was written quite a while ago, so thank you for that. I hope you are still listening to the last few episodes. The next one is also from uh, Hiroki. I think I know who this is as well, but... This one title is very good. <laughs> Thank you. Um, just uh, if you like Magical Girls, you'll love this podcast. So yeah, we've only had a few ratings, but I really do appreciate every single one of them. So again, yeah, I will read reviews on the podcast. I will check, I guess every Tuesday from now on, uh, I will be checking those. So yeah, just get those in there. Thank you. Yeah, for the podcast itself, there isn't anything else I have to share. We're not going to talk about what I've been watching. We'll save that for next time. But we do have a little bit of news, so we can get into that as well. So, uh, as usual, stuff started to drop on Tuesday after I recorded the last episode. But at the beginning of March, we get what's the April issue of Nakoyoshi magazine. That's just generally how it goes, where it's really the label is for the next month, but it's starting to get released the month before. So yes, being advertised in, in particular for this particular issue of Nakoyoshi magazine, which again is 
a publisher of many comics that are in the Magical Girl variety, as well as others that are not really that magical, it depends. Publisher of all the Precure comics, and was formerly a publisher of, let's see, Cutie Honey Flash and Sailor Moon and so on and so forth, many of the ones that we still love today. Recently, I would say that most of the Strictly Magical Girl comics in Nakashi Magazine are things that are either spin-offs of or continuations of things from the 2000s. So, of course, Precure has never stopped, but we also have Cardcaptor Sakura, the newest clear card arc, which we have not really discussed yet on the podcast. We will be definitely going back to that series in the future. We also have, of course, Tokyo Mew Mew is a big one these days. We have Tokyo Mew Mew Ole, which is a all-male version of the series that has been going for a few years now. I believe it's up to issue four in its own print form. I have bought those, but I have not read them yet, so I'll definitely talk about them when we get to that. Oh, of course, Tokyo Mew Mew also had its return comic that was released last year and is now in its own full issue. So that was a continuation of the original story with Mew Ichigo and her team, including Mew Berry. Not Ringo, but we'll get to that later. Tune in for more next week for that. <laughs> but yes, the new thing is uh, this month we're seeing a comic reprint of Shugo Kyara. This one is the one that I think many people will mistakenly call Shugo Chara because it's C-H-A-R-A at the uh, end. But it is short for character, so it is Shugo Kyara. Anyway, uh, so this is a very long-running comic by Peach Pit, and Peach Pit is celebrating 20 years in the business, so they are releasing reprints, uh, not just in Japan, but I believe also in France, maybe elsewhere, I'm unsure. This reprint is going to be including new covers for all the comics, but also some new four-panel comics, which are also being printed in Nakashi Magazine proper which is why it was being advertised. <laughs> Furthermore, the first season of Shugo Kyara in Japan is now available for free on YouTube. It's a 17-video series, so if you're in Japan, you can watch each video. is three episodes. No one really knows why they're being re-released this way and made more accessible, but certainly YouTube is very popular in Japan as well as in other places. So, yeah, I don't know what this could mean. It's very exciting. <laughs> So yes, we can probably speculate that there might be more Shugokyara in the future because this is kind of testing the waters and so on. Frankly, when we are not looking at the stuff that is based on things from the 2000s, there really isn't a lot of original Magical Girl content anymore, especially not in Nakashi Magazine. So it's very curious why these are coming back. So there is that. Also, if you are a Tokyo Mew Mew new fan, then we can now listen to the previews of the single song for Smoothie. So I will include a link to that in the show notes because that's on YouTube. And again, checking their Twitter, that's Mew underscore Mew underscore New, will get you all the news about Tokyo Mew Mew in Japanese as well as in English. So again, it's really great that it's been so consistently accessible in that way. We're still not entirely sure why, but there is that. So I think with that, it is time to talk about today's topic. Okay, so today we are talking about 
Happiness Charge Precure. So it is our monthly Precure episode. <laughs> and we're going to be talking with Leo, aka Magical Cinnamon, about Happiness Charge. So Leo is really great. He's a YouTuber who is based in Brazil. So he's going to talk a bit about that in today's chat as well, being a Magical Girl fan in Brazil. And I think generally it's a really great chat about this season, about his experience being a Magical Girl fan. As of this, having this episode, we now have representatives, I guess, in our guests from, well, I don't want to say every continent because we don't have Antarctica, but six continents have now been represented in our fans. And I am, for one, very surprised and very proud of this. Of course, we can continue. There are so many countries and cultures within each continent, of course. So I'm going to continue to try to get more of that representation in our guests. It is something that I never exactly intended. Um, I mean, of course, we do say that it's for fans around the world, and I really do hope that we have fans around the world uh, listening to our podcast. So I I just really like this coincidence, and I'm really happy that I have been able to find these people, and I want to continue to find more people to talk to, for sure. I mean, I love that we have Magical Girl fans around the world. I think it's a beautiful thing, so... Yeah. <laughs> so one more thing before we get into the actual main chat. So we discuss a little bit about the international cures, but at the time of recording, we didn't really have a full understanding of absolutely everyone. So since then, I've been able to find a Japanese list of all of the happiness charge precures that appear in the series. So I just wanted to go through them quickly. So some of them, we don't know the actual name. Sometimes we only know the team name and so on, and sometimes we don't know the country of origin as well. So let's start. Um, so first one, we have uh, Bomber Girls Precure. So this is the uh, mainland American-based team of three girls. We don't know any of the names of the individual girls. We just know that as a team, they're Bomber Girls Precure. Then in India, we have a team of two girls. We don't know their individual names, but we do know that their name is Wonderful Net Precure. So net as in internet. Again, to that leader. In France, we have the team name of Merci Precure, but it's only one character we see, and her name is Cure Art, or Cure Art, right? Cure Art. That would be the French pronunciation. Then from Spain, we have Matador Precure. <laughs> we don't know how many people are on this team, and we don't know the names of any individuals on this team, but we know the team name is Matador Precure. Oof. From Egypt, we don't have a team name, but we do have the single Cure Nile. In England, we have Cure Continental. In Russia, we have Cure Kachusha, which is, I guess it must be the word in Russian. I don't really know because I don't know Russian. But uh, I know that in Japanese, we use that word to refer to headbands. In Australia, we have Cure Southern Cross. And, oh god, in Italy... Here we go. We have Cure Pantaloni and Cure Gonna. So anyone who doesn't speak Italian, you could probably guess at least the first one. This means we have Cure Pants and Cure Skirt. I don't know either. And finally, we have one more unknown Cure Sherry. We don't know where Cure Sherry is from. As mentioned in the chat, there is one more at least from Brazil that appears in the comic, but not in the main animated story. So... Yeah, I will leave that there without further comments because we do get into it in the chat itself. But I just wanted to add that context. 
It sounds like there's everything we need to talk about here. So again, it's going to be a bit of a longer chat. The original recording was two hours because we were having such a good time chatting about everything. It definitely hurt to cut things down a lot, but I think overall we got the main things going and I really enjoyed this chat a lot. I'm really, really proud of this one. I think it's going to be a really good time and I hope that you enjoy listening as well. So here we go with uh, Leo talking about Happiness Charge Precure. Today, we're going to be talking about the 10th anniversary season of Precure, known as Happiness Charge Precure, and I am very excited about our guest today. Can you please introduce yourself? Hello, Ayumi. I am Leo, or Leonardo, but please call me Leo. <laughs> I usually go by he, his, but I am comfortable with any pronouns. Great. And um, yeah, you have a YouTube channel that is mostly focused on Precure. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, I do. It's a channel called Magical Cinnamon, in which I talk mostly about Precure. But I talk about other Magical Girl shows too, like Sailor Moon and other seasonal Magical Girl shows that are airing. I love Magical Girl, so I love talking about them. But I think like my love for Precure is a little more special, so I talk a little bit more about it. So it's a channel to spread the love for this amazing <laughs> franchise. Yes, it's a very lovely channel, so everyone should definitely check it out. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so let's start there. So yes, Leo, please tell me, uh, what is your history with Magical Girls as a genre? Well, we have to go back in time a little bit. You know, I like to say I'm 16, but I'm actually 33. So <laughs> everything started when I was a child. And when I was a very young kid, I used to like what is considered feminine, you know? So when you're a young boy, that could be seen as shameful, but I was so young, so I didn't really understand it at that time. So I used to enjoy feminine things a lot. And I remember that when I was a young child, Magic Night Hey Earth was airing on television here. So I think, I am not really sure, but I think it was my first experience, my first contact with Magical Girls. Because I remember that when I was a young child too, Sailor Moon was airing, but I didn't have the channel, the channel that aired Sailor Moon. I didn't have it on my TV, so I didn't know what Sailor Moon actually was. But there was so much merchandise from Sailor Moon, and I used to love it because everything was so cute and colorful, and I had a lot of merchandise, and I didn't exactly know what it was. Uh, when I was a teenager, I was able to watch Sailor Moon on cable TV because it came back. To Brazil and I started watching Sailor Moon together with Cardcaptor Sakura. So I think that at that time I already knew what anime was, so like I had more of an understanding of it and I had more of an understanding of magical girls as a genre. So Sailor Moon and Cardcaptor Sakura were the first ones that I watched completely and then Corrector Yui came to Brazil as well, so I also watched Corrector Yui. So I really like the glittery and the sparkly and the colorful costumes and the big hairs and the transformations, the powers, you know. <laughs> so since I was a kid, I really liked this kind of thing. So it grew with me up until today. So 
this is something I never stopped liking or stopped enjoying. That's great. I'm a little curious as well, but also for any listeners who might not know, are there a lot of magical girls that come to Brazil? Not really. It was on cable TV, actually. We had Cedar Moon, Cardcaptor Sakura. After both of them stopped airing, we had the four seasons of Cedar Moon, except the first one. We had the whole Cardcaptor Sakura, and then we had Corrector Yui. After that, we had Super Doll Lika-chan. Oh, yeah, we did. And I don't know if some people consider it a magical girl show, but I think it is, right? Yeah, yeah. It definitely gets labeled like a battle heroine series. That's mm-hmm. very interesting because that's like, you know, that's a doll that became a series, you know? Yeah. But, um, yeah. <laughs> we, had all, we also had one that was very peculiar that I really wanted to watch again, but I can't find it anywhere, which is Super Pig or Tom de Budin. The original oh my god, name. yes. Yes, it aired here too. It had an amazing dub, an amazing song. It was awesome, and I loved it at the time, but I never found it uh, so that I could watch it again. Yeah, yeah. That's a very particular one that I also have a memory of watching it when I was very young in Japan. Yeah. <laughs> like when it was first airing. Yeah, um, that's, that was an adorable show. Yeah, yeah. I am trying to get my hands on it as well here. So it's not just in Brazil. It's hard to find everywhere, I think. Oh, my God. If you do, you need to do a podcast on this show because it's awesome. It's everything. Yeah. And I think apart from those, I don't exactly remember if we had any other Magical Girl shows. We had some manga, Magical Girl manga being published here. We have a lot of them, actually. Most of them are Madoka Magica spin-offs because it's super popular here. And we have almost all of the spin-offs published here in Brazil. We also have Sailor Moon. We have all the Clamp Magical Girl shows like Ray Earth and Cardcaptor Sakura 2. We also have Fumungo Sagashite, Ultramaniac, which which can also be seen as a magical girl, I think. Uh, Sugar Sugar Rune, which has an amazing manga. I love Sugar Sugar Rune. So yes. in manga, we had more magical girls, but when it comes to anime, not so much, unfortunately. Mm, I see. So with that, how did you end up getting into Precure then? Well, I remember when I started going to college. Oh my God. <laughs> this is like a long time ago. At that time, I started getting more into anime again, and I started looking for magical girl shows on the internet. And I remember I found this show and I didn't really know what it was. The thing that I saw on the internet the most was, this is the new Sailor Moon. And me being a big Sailor Moon fan, I looked at it and said, hmm, this is definitely not the new Sailor Moon. It's not as good as Sailor Moon. You know, those type of Sailor Moon fans. (laughs) I was one of those. I'm so ashamed to say this. But then I remember I discovered Precure when Splash Star was almost over. The Splash Star season was almost over, and there was a big community of Precure on the internet in the Precure Life Journal, and I used to follow the news there. And when Splash Star was almost over, I started watching Futariwa, more or less at that time. It's not as easy as it is today for a great internet connection that we have nowadays, and it's easier to get the episodes and everything. At that time... It was a little harder for me, but I was able to watch it. And then since then, I kept on following Precure. You know, I kept on 
of following the news and watching every season when there was fan subs because not every season at that time had fan subs so it wasn't as easy as it is today like now we have official releases at least here in brazil we have crunchyroll bringing healing good precure and it's gonna bring tropical rouge precure as well which is the next season we have kira kira precure a la mode on crunchyroll as well like we have official ways of watching it but at that time we didn't and i still remember when i watched the first episode of futariwa i was really holding back you know i was like I'm not gonna like this. No, it's copying Sailor Moon. I'm not gonna enjoy it. And then when it came to the transformation and they started fighting, my jaw dropped and I changed opinions like that, you know? And since then, I fell in love with the franchise and I've been following every season. I've been following wholeheartedly everything Precure related because it's a big passion. Yeah, yeah. That's very interesting. I mean, we are close to the same age. I am 30, but... It mm -hmm. sounds like we got into Precure around the same time, because I also nice. got into it at, in the Splash Star era, I guess. Mm -hmm. <laughs> But I was in high school. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I was in like yeah. the second or third year of college or something like that. But yeah, you're right. It was so difficult at that time to get those things it was a very different time on the internet not just for magical girls but like just for getting any japanese animation in particular yeah yeah the the the, the whole anime world has changed a lot over the past few years it's so easy to get our hands into official releases in certain places of the world nowadays this is such a good thing for us fans And, like, I've never expected to see Precure officially being released here. Even if it's just streaming. Oh my god, it's... The world has changed for me after that. Yeah, definitely. It's been huge. So, um, are these um, the Brazilian Portuguese subtitles that they have with Crunchyroll? Yes. Wow, that's great. Yeah, and I don't understand Japanese, but... People are saying that the Brazilian translation is very, very good. And the one thing I'm noticing while I'm watching it is that they are able to connect the healing good world with our reality. You know, they use like words and expressions that feel very Brazilian. And it, you, you can see that there is a passion behind people that are translating it. It's just not just a simple translation. They're really working mm. hard on, you know, bringing... Uh, soul to the translation and i really i'm really enjoying it it's very That's nice great. Yeah. yeah yeah i mean i don't speak portuguese so i don't really know much about that but i know translation in general it, it is a kind of art form in a way because yes. it's, there's one thing to like just try to explain what someone is saying in another language but mm -hmm. it's another thing to like rewrite it and actually make it it's a kind of storytelling you know so it it mm -hmm. is Very impressive, but it's really great to know that Crunchyroll is able to do that for more than just, you know, English speakers. Um, yes, definitely. There's certainly that bias, just globally speaking. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There are so many languages they're bringing their shows to. And I'm, I feel very happy that lots of people are able to enjoy Precure, like, officially, so... Mm, yes, yes. It's a very important thing. Yeah, so I guess this leads us towards today's topic, which is happiness charge precure specifically. Yay. So, yeah. <laughs> so this is the 10th anniversary season. So it came out in 2014. Gosh, it feels like forever ago now. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. my God. 
but it was definitely, I think, a very special season. But I want to hear from you first, Leo, about your, your experience with this particular season. Yes. Okay, so when the first episode of Happiness Charge came out, I was very excited. I really liked the designs of the characters and everything. I liked the name of the season. I liked the colors of the characters. And before Happiness Charge, we had Doki Doki Precure, which is a season that didn't really spark like this crazy love for me. I liked Doki Doki, but I was eager for like something that really fit me more. And I still remember when I saw the first episode of Happiness Charge and right at the first episode, we already had Cure Fortune jumping in, using her power, and she was shining a lot right in the first episode. And I instantly fell in love with her. And Cure Fortune is purple and she has stars as a motif. And I love both things. And to see both things in one character, I got crazy <laughs> about it. <laughs> but there is something interesting, which is being a Precure fan, it's always that expectation for the next season and waiting eagerly for news concerning the next season. And I remember that at that time, Amazon Japan accidentally uploaded an image of Cure Lovely and Cure Princess on their website. It was a 3DS case or a DS case, I don't remember exactly. Yes, yes. Yeah, and then like it was our first look at them. And I remember where I was that day when we saw it for the first time, I wasn't at home. And then we saw that and I, I was at the, the biggest square of the city I live in. So I have this clear thing in my mind. Like I was there and we saw, like we discovered that the new season has been accidentally leaked <laughs> by Amazon. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I have that clear in my mind, you know, and that's an interesting thing because I feel like the experience of a season of Precure it starts even before the season starts, you know, like the whole experience starts with those little moments. And mm. so after the first episode of Happiness Charge, I got super, super hyped for the season and I really enjoyed it. You know, like those first moments and they were like, oh my God, I think I'm going to like this. And I was wrong because I didn't like it. I loved it. And <laughs> still today, one of my favorites and oh my god so much fun and there was all of this uh expectation for the anniversary of precure like happiness charge was special in a way for being the anniversary season we had the birthday messages for all of the cures of the franchise until happiness charge so with every episode we were waiting to see who the cure was going to be in that week how her message was gonna go Oh my god, it was so nice. Yes, so yeah, like you're describing the beginning of every episode. Well, not every episode. At the end, it stops. But uh, <laughs> for the first however many episodes, each week there was one of the former members of Precure and then finally including Happiness Charge that would just give a message of saying, oh, thank you for being with us for 10 years, you know, 10th anniversary, and let's just keep going. And it was always very cool to see to figure out who was going to come next. But yeah, let's, uh, I guess, discuss a little bit about what the uh, story is of Happiness Charge. I think even the very concept of it really does celebrate this legacy of Precure as it had been at that time. And for me, I feel like this also was something where it really 
helped to kind of start a new generation of Precure, if that makes sense. So one of the main things that really makes Happiness Charge stand out from every other season is that this was a series where Precure was something that was a global phenomenon. So there were Precure all over the world, some also in teams, but uh, a lot of solo acts as well. And so on occasion, we would actually get to see oh, the Precure in France, or we do see Spain and uh, in India and the U.S. And it was uh, so exciting to see all of these different Precure. But the main group, of course, is Happiness Charge in Japan. So we have Cure Lovely, Cure Princess, Cure Honey, and Cure Fortune. And one thing that was very interesting about this season is that this, I think, is the last season where there was no mid-season cure. Every season since, there has always been one. Yes. Well, I think it's a debatable topic because there is a rebirth (laughs) at the middle of the season somehow that I consider a mid-season cure in a way. But I get what you're talking about. Yes, yes. I understand where you're coming from. Yeah, well, it is a little complicated because, yes, as you said, so she does have a kind of rebirth and her powers get kind of reborn in that way. But, you know, she was a cure from the beginning. And that's kind of, yes. for me, it's a little it's a little different from the other, any mid-season cure that had been there before or since. Yeah. <laughs> mm, but yes. yes, I understand what you mean. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I'm trying to remember if, they had Precure in Brazil or not, if we got to see They that. didn't. Unfortunately, yeah. no. I remember at the time I was waiting <laughs> to see if they would add a Brazilian cure. But there is a Brazilian cure in the manga from Happiness Charge. Oh, great. Yeah, she is a football cure. Like, Oh, my God. Yeah, like 50% of the Brazilian references they make is football. So they went with football in the Brazilian cure from Happiness Charge, but I think that she appears in like, like she just appears, you know, she she doesn't participate as much as like the France cure or the Hawaii cures, even though they don't really appear that much, they are more permanent. And like this Brazilian one, she just appeared in one page of the manga, you know, she was right. not relevant at all, unfortunately. <laughs> I think there was definitely that anticipation We do get to see some of the other ones a few times, and there is one episode where they assist Aloha Precure in Hawaii, which was interesting. And even now, Aloha Precure is very popular because they even had their own character songs in the vocal album, which was very interesting. Yeah, definitely. Aloha Precure is something, like, it's a phenomenon that I still don't believe happened because... It's so interesting to see, like, you know, like in Happiness Charge, we have so many international cures. And then in one episode, we get to see cures and then we get to see their transformations. And they still, they have like a stock footage animation for their attack. Yeah. Like they did that for one episode. And I, it's like kind of unbelievable in a good way, you know, like mm-hmm. I would not expect them to do that. And they did it. And it, that episode is so nice. And that addition is so special. And this is one of the things that really sets Happiness Charge apart from the rest of the franchise. Yeah, I definitely think so. Yeah, and it's very interesting. Their costumes also kind of uh, show that as well, where there's a bit more of a uniform aspect to it, which I really enjoy. 
Yeah, this is also one of my favorite seasons, so I've been very excited to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I also really like this aspect of the uniforms. Uh, because in most recent seasons of Precure, we don't really see uh, something that unifies them. It's like each cure with her own design. There are details, obviously, that bring them together as a team, but they have very distinctive designs from one on another. With Happiness Charge, they also have distinctive designs, but there is this uniform, like this navy blue or black, this uniform, which is very nice, and it's it unifies all of them. Even the international ones, they all have this uniform. Yeah. And this makes it for such a special design. I really like this aspect. Even with the uniforms, they all have different details from each other, and that makes it special. I, I really enjoy I th I think Happiness Charge is my favorite season in terms of designs. You know, I mm. really love the designs of the characters, like in every form, but I think Cure Forms are very special. I don't know if it's because of the uniforms. I can't explain, really, but I really love their designs so much. And as you mentioned, the uniforms, yes, I'm right there with you. Yeah, yeah. Of course, Happiness Charge Precure do get to elevate themselves a little bit above all the other cures in this particular season. And they also are hanging out with God, <laughs> which is interesting. <laughs> oh my God, this is so bizarre. I know. Yeah, that's very interesting for anyone who hasn't watched the series. So we have this character, Blue, who is the god of Earth specifically <laughs> and it's a very interesting choice that they have here that they created this character who is quite literally god and uh it, everyone is just totally fine with hanging out with him or whatever it's not weird i guess but he's also <laughs> the one that is directly giving people the power of becoming pre-cure with the exception of cure fortune <laughs> i'm sure we'll get yeah. into that in a minute mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's it's an interesting thing because I don't think I noticed it at the time when I was watching it for the first time. But when I was rewatching it, I noticed that some of the characters call him Blue, but some other characters call him Kamisama. Yes, <laughs> so yes. it's an interesting distinction, I think. Like mm -hmm. they're not trying to get close enough to him to call him Blue, but they literally call him God all the time. <laughs> So yeah. this is really strange. Because <laughs> yeah, exactly. And for me, it's not particularly odd because I believe the Christian population of Japan is somewhere around 2%. Like Japanese mm -hmm. Christians do exist, but there are not that many. So mm -hmm. most people don't really have any particular feelings towards the concept of God. I certainly wasn't raised with that. So it seems like pretty whatever, like, oh, sure, of course, like, God is hanging out with Precure and like giving them powers. This is totally <laughs> fine. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't have a problem with it at all either. Like I've been raised with Christianity, but I don't care at all for it. <laughs> but <laughs> the thing I find weird is that exact thing that you said, like we're hanging out with God. And can I say this? God doesn't do anything in this season. Like oh, he's yeah. just there. <laughs> <laughs> that is the most absurd thing for me. Yeah. This is something that Precure does, I think, because it was repeated in Star Twinkle some years after that. And gods in Star Twinkle don't do anything as well. I'm sorry if this is a spoiler. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> mm. It's very interesting. Yeah, you're right. 
Blue is a very interesting character to think about in terms of like, I guess the whole plot hole of it all. Because when he does appear with powers, he will show up and like he very casually will just like come in and show that he has all this power. And then it's like, well, if you have all this power to stop this, why are you making Precure in the first place? Exactly. You know? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like he sometimes there are, there are parts of the season that he is relevant because of his powers and he helps them in some specific situations. And then I was like, why aren't you doing this all the time? <laughs> it's not something that drains him. You don't see him weakened after using his powers. No, he's mm. there normally sipping some tea, sitting down, doing nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. <laughs> this is putting blue there was really a choice that up until today, I don't know if I understand. Yeah, definitely. It's very interesting. I see a lot of people who believe that Blue is the true villain of having his charge breaker. <laughs> yes, I'm one of those people. I'm one of those yeah. people. Like, he is the actual villain of this season. <laughs> oh, my God. We say this as a joke. At least I say this as a joke. But, you know, like, if you could go really get deep in the philosophy of the season, you could find reasoning behind that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, well, we'll get into, I guess, more of the the reasoning and, the I guess, some spoilers uh, in a minute. But just thinking generally about this season, who would you recommend this series to? I think that people that enjoy things that are very loud, that are full of energy, you know, like, it's everything that happens in this season, there is, like overreaction the characters always overreact and they make lots of (laughs) meme faces all the time so if you like this type of relationship and this type of connection with the characters you will love happiness charge and i feel like with happiness charge there are some random things that happen in some episodes i'm gonna give some examples to that a little later but you know i feel like there's a lot of randomness There's also another thing about this season, uh, which is the fights. The fights are very interesting. And Mm. like, they have so many different powers. They invent powers. You know, they're fighting. They're like, look, I'm going to use a different power today. And they create a different power at that moment. Like, so many interesting things that are form changes. And they get like different power-ups and specific powers with the power-ups. I really like this whole atmosphere of the fights of Happiness Charge. I think Mm. that in terms of fighting scenes, it's one of the best seasons of Precure. Mm. And I think that another thing that might turn some people away is the way they handle character development. Because even in the serious moments, the mean faces are going to be there. The craziness is going to be there. And the characters are crying, but they are overreacting. Like some of them are overreacting. (laughs) You know, the energy is always high. So if you don't like this kind of thing, I don't think Happiness Charge will be for you. You won't enjoy Happiness Charge. But if you like this, you will love it. And the characters are all very sweet, but they're not perfect. And sometimes their imperfections can get in the way of maybe you liking them or but if you open up to understand their problems you will 
get to love them a lot. Because that, that's another thing that I really like about Happiness Charge is that they're not afraid of letting the girls fail and make mistakes and then correct them when they understand that they've made mistakes. Yeah, definitely. I think the relationships between the cures is uh, that's a very interesting factor in this season for sure. Yes. And I think that that kind of reflects, like you said, like I know, for example, there are certain characters that are not as popular and those are also the ones that are, you know, getting kind of the same treatment within the series itself with like each other and so on. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of clear miscommunication or misunderstanding between characters. And I just think that the character development is very, very nice this season. Yeah. (laughs) I do want to remind people that like, as you said, you know, especially this season, but just generally Preaker is very, very emotive and um, like a little over the top sometimes, but that's because it's a series for young kids. Yeah. So the attacks are very interesting because, as we mentioned, this kind of uniform of uh, happiness charge precure, they all start with having this kind of attack weapon, the precure bracelet or pre brace, that helps them to create basically any kind of power. And so they all end up with like a whole series of low level attacks that are very yes. interesting because uh, we're very used to the final attack being like the big thing in Precure and most of it just being normal hand-to-hand combat. But there was this kind of in-between in Happiness Charge that's very interesting and has some really great attack moves as well, like a gun-gun machine gun or lovely punching punch. It's very fun. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> I have a particular favorite, which I don't exactly remember the name, but it's the lovely beam that she shoots from her eyes. Yes, yes. That's iconic. Beam. <laughs> Come on, that's that's iconic. Yes, yes. It's very funny. When we finally get to the point where the whole team has uh, finally come together, there's an episode where they're in their normal form, their everyday form, but they're trying to practice and train for the next fight. And so Megumi, or Cure Lovely, has to pretend to shoot beams from her eyes when she's in her human form, and it's very yeah. good. <laughs> that episode is everything i love that episode so much and that episode is a perfect example of what i was saying before like this season is very dorky so in this episode like i think episode 24 in this episode we have yona taking the girls to the beach so that they can train and then yona is super serious about the training and then you get to that scene and you're like so She knows martial arts, so I thought, okay, she's going to help them. But no, she trains them in the dorkiest way possible. Like, all (laughs) related to their own powers. (laughs) But it's so funny. And she's super serious. You know, like, she is focused on the training. Like, this is the most important thing ever. And it's a dorky training. I love this so much. You know, and you laugh and you enjoy yourself. But, you know, in a way, they are training because that's the type of powers they use in fighting. Oh, my God. It's very interesting because it's kind of also making fun of itself or making fun of Precure because there's a point where Hime or your princess is like, wait a second, we haven't come up with our group pose yet. We have to practice and take pictures. And it's like... You know, that's true. Like, no one ever really has this conversation. This is something that mm-hmm. just happens in Magical Girl series. So that part yeah. is also very lovely. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah, yeah, definitely. 
I guess we kind of already maybe talked about a little bit, but uh, who are your favorite characters in Happiness Charge? This is a hard topic because my favorite character is Cure Fortune, uh, Iona, who is the purple cure uh, from Happiness Charge. Like, she is one of my favorite cures, period. And she's definitely my favorite from Happiness Charge. But I think that overall, I like the main cast, all of the four girls. Mm -hmm. The the only character I would tell you that I don't like is Blue. But apart from him, (laughs) even the side characters are awesome. So, like, Cure Fortune, I really love her. As I said, I love purple. I love stars. I love her design. I love Gulasan, which is the mascot who stays with her. Yeah. And one thing that Happiness Charge did very well with her character was to talk about grief. Mm. Because she lost her sister. So she is dealing with this and she is very tough on herself and she's also very tough on other cures. Mm. And this creates a big tension inside the season. Yeah. And at some points of the season, she is super, super rude to Cure Princess. And there are some scenes in the season that is that they're kind of hard to watch, like how tough she is to Cure Princess. Yeah. But at the same time, everything that she says is coming from a place of pain and kind of a desperation because she wants to do everything she can to save her sister. She's been fighting for so long and she can't do anything. And she gets to a point of sacrificing herself to do that and she still can't. Mm. Like, she can't save her. And I really like the way the season dealt with that because I like when the seasons are able to show that those characters that we're seeing on screens who are heroes, who are saving people, they are people, mm-hmm. you know? They're not like those copy-paste heroes who are perfect every time. They're always looking out to please everybody and they're always there to, you know, give you a hand and help you. Not always, because they are people. So they have experiences in life that can uh, hurt them and change the way they see the world and change the way they fight. And I really like how they dealt with this aspect of her character because uh, she is someone who's dealing with loss. She ends up lashing on others because of that. But as time goes by, she learns how to deal with her feelings. And There gets to a point in the season that she actually understands that she was hurting other people and Mm -hmm. she asks for forgiveness. Yes. And I think asking for forgiveness is a very beautiful thing to do, you know, and I really like this aspect of her character. And obviously, I love her attacks. I love her weapon. I love her form changes. I love everything about her. (laughs) So... As I said, I think that Happiness Charge has a very strong cast of characters. Mm-hmm. I see lots of people criticizing Megumi as a main character. I don't agree with that. I think she is a great lead. Mm. She is also a great leader. She is a good motivator for others. There gets to a point that she also gets unmotivated and the others are able to motivate her. Yes. But ultimately, she is a girl who is trying to live her life and to be happy and to make others happy. Mm. And there is one thing that I read on Twitter once and I never forgot. Cure Lovely is the cure who has the most fun fighting. Mm. Every time you see her fighting, you can see that she is enjoying it. She is creating different powers. She is giving it her all and she is having fun. 
you know, by fighting the Sayaks that Yeah. And you can see that in her. You know, she has a lot of fun while fighting and I love her powers. They're so creative. I just love it. Yeah, and it's very interesting because like we said, this is a very particular season for a lot of reasons. Definitely there are a lot of writing choices based on the fact that it was the tenth anniversary. And one of those things is that this is a season where everyone knows that Precure exists and that there are Precure around the world. There's even a TV show about it that everyone can watch every week. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just a regular part of life, which I guess also kind of connects to the ending of Doki Doki Precure, where they kind of are living a regular life and now everyone knows that they are Precure. Mm-hmm. It's a very interesting choice because then we have this character at the beginning, Megumi, who wants to become a Precure. Like that is her dream because she sees them everywhere. And it's an interesting kind of reflection of real kids who would be watching Precure and want to become Precure, you know? Yes. It's a very fun meta season for that reason, I think. I agree. Yeah, yeah. She's my favorite character from the group. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I really, really love her character. I love that her theme is love in particular. She loves so much that she falls in love with God, which is terrible. But <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole other thing, I think. That being said, I do think that the character development between Cure Fortune, Iona, and uh, Himeki, Your Princess, is, for me, the best part about this season. Yes. And then, of course, we haven't mentioned yet, but Yugo, Cure Honey, is also an amazing character. <laughs> she is. I love her so much. She is one of my favorite yellows. Oh, my God. Everything about Yugo is epic. You know, she's a legendary cure, honestly. Mm-hmm. I think she has one of the most creative introduction episodes like the way she enters the team to me she feels like kind of a joke cure Mm -hmm. for the most part in terms of how she uses her powers but at the same time she is like super strong like her individual power she summons a big uh, meteor in the form of clover that comes outside of the earth and then it (laughs) comes crashing down on earth yeah girl what are you doing are you trying to destroy your planet like she is crazy strong and uh, she can act like as someone who attacks she can act as someone who defends as someone Mm. who supports she can do anything as cure honey and i think that has a lot to do with yuko as a character Mm-hmm. Because Yuko is another character that I see lots of people complaining about because uh, there isn't a dilemma in her character. Mm-hmm. And I do understand that sometimes we want to see characters doubting themselves and discovering things about themselves. Mm. But on the other hand, I think that there are people in the world that are well resolved with themselves. You know, yeah. they know what they like, they know what they want in life, and they are just enjoying life. They're just living mm. day by day. And that is her. Mm-hmm. You know, I love this aspect of her. And I do understand that if people don't like this, it's fine, but you're missing out on a, such a great character. <laughs> she is awesome. Every time she's on screen, she brings this chaotic, peaceful energy. Like, she is the only one that can bring those two things together. And she is awesome. I love Yuko, too. And there is, obviously, the Rice song. 
Yes, yes. Come on. The Ronnie song. (laughs) One aspect I really love about this season that I'm still waiting to come back is the singing in the season. And yeah, we get this amazing song from her that she sings all over the world to um, help cheer up and power up Precure. And it's just a song about how rice is the best. And it's a very Japanese song. And uh, I love it very much. (laughs) Uh, it's very catchy you know it's just a good song (laughs) it is (laughs) yeah oh my god yeah and as you mentioned about the songs there are great songs in this season too and not only in the season itself the character songs are also amazing oh yes yes we don't really talk about that so much on the podcast but it's true like you know every season of precure we get these albums of character songs and um I enjoy character songs a lot because they often bring another element to things. Also, I love musicals, so I love to imagine the situation in which the characters would end up singing these songs. Yes. The songs are so good for this season. Yeah. Unfortunately, the the character songs, they usually don't play in the seasons themselves. Like, this is a very sad thing for Breaker in general. I think Kira Kira is the biggest... Yes, yes. Like, it's the different one because it plays all of the character songs, but usually we don't get to listen to them in their seasons, so mm. that's very sad. Yeah. But the Happiness Charge songs are all awesome. Yes, yes. I think, I wish that there were people I could, like, sing them with because some of them are just so good. Yeah, there's just, like, so much great energy that, like, it really, really complements the series. My favorite one is Holy Lonely Justice by Fortune herself. Yes. Yeah, this song's everything. Oh my God. <laughs> it's a very moving song because, again, we understand her pain. She doesn't trust Blue for giving her sister the powers that made her into a precure, which we didn't actually explain like why she lost her sister. But her sister was a precure before the start of the season, but sacrificed herself and was a. Uh, Defeated by Phantom, the Precure Hunter, who is also a very interesting character we haven't talked about yet. Yes. Oh my god. (laughs) Yeah. It's completely understandable why she doesn't trust. Because she basically is the only cure that doesn't get her powers directly from Blue. She inherits the powers from her sister. But yeah, she also doesn't trust Cure Princess because she blames her for everything as well. The episode where she apologizes to Hime is very good. They finally spend some time alone together and talk about things. Uh, She asks Hime very directly and Mm -hmm. she says like, wait, why didn't you tell me this before? And Hime's like, well, I was trying to tell you before, but you weren't listening. (laughs) And it's like, oh my god. (laughs) We love to see growth. (laughs) Yeah, there's like the right time for everything. Like, Mm. it wouldn't matter if she told Iona the truth. She wasn't ready to listen to the truth at that time. She had to go through the whole experience to be able to open herself up to understand like things like in a different proportion, I think. Yeah. (laughs) Should we talk a bit more about the villains this season? Because they're also fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) Oh god. There's one thing I really like about Precure, and it's the villains. And this is something that changed over time, right? Like in oh, earlier definitely. seasons, the villains weren't really important. But then 
the franchise took a turn and then the villains, they became more like regulars throughout the whole season. And I think Happiness Charge has one of the best groups of villains of the franchise. We have the trio, the Oreski trio, which is uh, Namakerda, Hoshiwa, and Oreski, mm-hmm. which are the villains that attack normally. Yeah. We also have Phantom, the Precure Hunter, which is like a bad guy who is like very scary because he defeated lots of Precure around the world. Mm-hmm. And we also have Queen Mirage, who is the supposedly the big boss of Happiness Charge, who just sits there in her world of sweets and she just gives the orders to people and the designs of the villains they are incredible and there's one particular thing about them is when they infect a place like they transform someone they get a victim of the day and then we have a monster being born of the person and then each of the villains they have like a sort of terrain for them yeah. Hoshiwa loves sweets. So she's always there sitting down, sipping tea, and then like lots of sweets start being being created around the place yeah. that she is fighting. And I love that. And each of the villains, they each have one different aspect. And I love that so much. Yeah, it's a very interesting thing because they each are very distinct and their wants are kind of in conflict with each other. So they don't get along ever, which is yeah. very funny. <laughs> The scenes where the three of them are like on the beach or whatever, they're they're just so clear that they are not getting along. They just all work together because they have to. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like big comedy. Every time they interact with each other, you can be sure you're going to laugh because their interactions are awesome. Like they're three big dorks. Yeah. Each in their own way, but they are those types of villains who are not scary at all. Yeah. That is... The Precure Hunter uh, role of this season. Oh, definitely. He's definitely the one that when he arrives, you know things are serious. Yeah, there's like this whole area called the Precure Graveyard that's so, just the name of it is so scary. And yes, it's a very interesting thing, especially later when we find out, I guess, the origin of Phantom. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so I guess we can get a little bit into spoiler territory if you want regarding the villains near the ending and so on because i do think that Mm -hmm. this kind of background that we don't find out this mystery is also very very interesting um just generally speaking in the context of precure yes Uh, we have like in terms of the villains we have lots of secrets Mm. apart from the three generals the other villains they all have something that happened to them that led them to this bad place None of them are inherently evil. There's always something behind it, right? And Queen Mirage, for example, who is supposedly the big boss of Happiness Charge, right at the start of the season, one of the first things that Blue tells the girls is that they are precure, so they cannot fall in love. Yes, yes. This is the first thing that he talks about to Megumi and Hime. At the time, when I was watching it at the time, I thought about the love band from the idols in Japan and other countries, Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I thought that it was a reference to that, mm-hmm. but not really, you know, like there's a whole other reason mm. because of what happened to Blue and Queen Mirage yeah. that led to a like this downfall of 
that girl who was a precure who fell in love with God. And because that didn't work out, she had her heart broken and she she ended up falling into despair. And the despair was a key, like a, a gateway for Red, the big real villain of Happiness Charge, to get her to his side and work mm. with her. So we don't see Red very much in this season. We just see Queen Mirage. Yeah. During the season, there are some indications that there is someone behind her. And every time she tries to think of what happened and tries to see it in another light, there is this voice behind her really saying like, Blue did you dirty. He did yeah. dirty and you should be angry. You should be sad about this. And so he like... This big villain is always feeding her bad feelings towards yes. Blue and keeping her as a villain in yeah, the season. Yeah, and I think it's very interesting that we kind of fully get to understand this quite near the end when we first get to see Yona's sister again. So more spoilers, I guess. Yes. But uh, yeah, so Cure Tender gets brought back as an evil cure by Queen Mirage and the uh, ensuing fight is so intense that it finally leads to a new level up which is still my favorite final attack of all time <laughs> oh my god yeah. i agree with you 100%. Yes. Um, 100% yeah innocent purification is so good yes this attack is everything <laughs> i mean just the song itself is so lovely to listen to but also then this at the end we have this attack where literally they're fighting by throwing their entire body at someone yes at different layers and to purify them it's just like so much intensity and it's just really great but yeah it's at that moment that we see for the first time as you know we have this whole episode of Miraz trying to control cure tender or maria we also see that she is also being controlled by someone else and that's also i think the first hint that we get that he is also a god like blue Mm -hmm. which we later find out he's a blue's brother a very permanently jealous brother (laughs) (laughs) i think in general with uh, queen mirage's storyline this idea of a villainess who became evil because of heartbreak. It's happened in many different series, not just even Magical Girl series. It's like mm-hmm. almost a trope. So I remember at first being like, oh, I don't really want to deal with this again, you know? But later we find that the same thing does happen to a male character who gets turned evil because of his love. And uh, that's also very interesting. And yes. I just realized that we have not talked about Seiji at all. <laughs> we haven't. And this is a crime. Because <laughs> this is a crime. I think we should be punished. Because Seiji <laughs> is a great character. Yes. Yes. So, yeah. I usually don't really enjoy love relationships in Precure. When there is, I don't really enjoy it. But I think Seiji's relationship with both Megumi and Hime were so well done. Because there is this thing in media in general that I don't really like, which is the age difference. Like, when it's like very apparent, I don't enjoy it. And then with Happiness Charge, we have two people from the same age, you know, getting infatuated with each other with Hime's case, with Seiji, and then Seiji falling in love with his friend, which is Megumi. So I think that 
in both cases, it was done so well and in a realistic way, you know, because it happens and I liked it so much. And that is not everything that Seiji brings to the season. Yeah, yeah. It might sound strange, but I think he has some sort of maternal feelings towards Megumi. He takes care of her, you know, not only to Megumi, but in a certain point of the season, he is taking care of the happiness charge girls when it's just Megumi and Hime. He's taking care of them like they're babies and he's like the responsible one. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, I think he's, he's an adorable character and a great sidekick. Yes, yes. I mean, we have definitely seen uh, in seasons like before and since these kinds of uh, interesting characters like who are not pre-cure themselves. They don't have powers, but they are very important characters for their friendships, you know? Yes, and they know they are precures, and that like that's that brings another layer. Yes, to yes. their characters because they follow their journeys, like mm. together with the girls. When the girls are cures, but they are not, and they are on the side following together with them. I really mm. like that. Yeah, exactly. I think that Seiji is a really great character for that. But yeah, he's just a good boy. And yeah, about romance and precure, I guess this hasn't actually really come up on the podcast yet, so it's a good time to talk about it. But there are a lot of problematic relationships in Precure, including in Happiness Charge, I think, but uh, especially yes. thinking about previous seasons, you know, there isn't a lot of romance generally, and I think that's kind of also intentional. I feel like there's also kind of a reaction to that or a comment on that, even in Happiness Charge, as I'm sure we'll talk about later, but it's a very interesting problem, but also, of course, in happiness charge we see megumi falls in love with blue who of course is god so he's a lot older than her and has no business messing around with the young girls <laughs> right maybe he shouldn't have been with mirage either for the same reason i'm not really sure it's very unknown how old she was when they started whatever they had yeah it's like kind of wild <laughs> uh yeah i understand megumi's infatuation with blue yeah and I feel like some teenagers, they fall in love with older people. Mm. And I feel like the responsibility of like turning them down and keeping a distance is definitely on the shoulders of the older person. Of course. I think that the, this is the biggest problem I have with Megumi and Blue. Like, Blue is a god, you can say that, but he's been around humans for a long time he knows how humanity works yeah. and after his experience with queen mirage he could definitely see it coming with megumi and he was still taking care of her picking her up when she was sick and getting super close to her mm. and as i said you can argue that he's a god he doesn't understand this but mm, of course he does he and knows you know, what he's yeah i, I think that <laughs> There's a certain point in time like he understands it and he tries to stay away. But for everything that led to that, I think he let it happen. You know, mm. that's the biggest problem I have yeah. with this whole plot of Megumi and Blue. Because in Megumi's side, like, it's not that I like seeing this because I don't. Yeah. But I understand her feelings, you know? Yeah. She's very, you know, young and impressionable. And it's a very normal, natural thing, I think, to idolize someone 
has, I guess, a, a higher standing than you in some way. And he is literally yes. God. Like, how are you supposed to compete <laughs> yeah, with that, exactly. right? Yeah, and I, yeah. I say this because when I was a teenager, I used to fall in love with teachers all the time. <laughs> and That's a big thing I, for a you lot know, of people. I yeah. obviously <laughs> kept it to myself, but it happened. So I understand her in this yeah. aspect. Yeah. But that's something that you should keep to yourself and mm -hmm. that's it. Yeah. And of course, like you said, it's the responsibility of the adult to be like, whoa, buddy, no. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just full stop. There's no reason to let it like continue on. So yeah, it was on him, I think, especially considering he is very strict about the whole like, oh yeah, like love is forbidden for precure. And then there's that episode where a guy asks Iona on a date and she's like, wait, but it's like not allowed. And Blue's like, Psh, whatever, it's fine. Have fun. And it's like, dude, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? So it's just very, and again, we're, I know, saying he's the true villain or whatever. Like, yeah, we exactly. feel this way. I think that's exactly when we say this, this is what we mean. Like, <laughs> yeah. come on, Blue, yeah. you could have been better. Yeah, and it's because of the fact that he didn't do anything to, like, show that he's not really for whatever's going on with Megumi. That leads Seiji on a very dark path. He loves Megumi, and, you know, by the end we see that he's just happy being her friend, which is great. I think that's great representation of, like, mm -hmm. a guy liking a girl and not being weird about it. That's great. Yes. I think that's very important mm -hmm. for culture i guess um but uh yeah the fact that like he sees her clearly falling for god like how is he supposed to compete with god for this girl that he likes yeah yeah and so he gets very jealous and that leads him eventually to getting turned evil by red and i just yeah. remember being so heartbroken when that happens because it's like no sage you're so good yeah that was super hard to watch. And there was an episode, I don't know if you remember, I don't exactly remember which episode it, it was. I think it was when Hime was thinking that she was in love with Seiji. And then yeah. in her imagination, there was a showdown between Seiji and Blue. They were knights with armor fighting yes. in an arena. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. And Megumi was there with like a princess dress being the one like to be conquered yeah. <laughs> and, like this is pure happiness charge you know mm -hmm. like he may with her crazy imagination thinking about something that is totally out of question and you just see that scene like materialize yeah, in animation yeah. like it's really wild Yes, definitely. Hime is a very interesting character because she is our character from another world. And even in the context of being this season where we have cures all around the world, she is that representative. And so sometimes she will like use English and it's like, oh, is English the language of your country? Mm -hmm. Things like that. And she's trying to like explain Western things. Yeah. Um, Another interesting aspect of her is like more or less what I said about Yona. She's not perfect all the time. She makes a lot of mistakes. And I like that about her a lot. She gets to learn so many things during the yeah. season. And it's so great to see her evolution. I, oh, definitely. I yeah, at the very beginning, she couldn't even purify Cyarchs at all. Yes, she was yeah. super scared. So that, that was a very interesting uh, improvement, I think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, so I guess we kind of already got into it a little bit, but do you think there are any other issues with happiness charge that people should know about before getting into the series? I think there is one particular issue that might turn some people away. Precure is usually an anime that runs through a year, so you wouldn't expect the animation to be top-notch in every single episode. I don't think Precure fans expect this, but when it comes to Happiness Charge, the animation is off in almost every episode of the season. Like, <laughs> there are some episodes that are super ugly, and... We all know how the anime studios are in terms of their planning and the time slot that the workers have to do. And we know it's awful for the workers and especially for the animators. So I definitely don't blame them. But the animation is very rough. So if this is something that bothers the viewer, like this is going to bother people if they're looking for good animation in Happiness Charge. I think that the only Precure season that had like stellar animation throughout the whole run was Go Princess Precure. I agree. And apart from that, we're always going to find wonky episodes here and there. But in Happiness Charge, it's almost all of them. And yeah. I say this because I don't really care. Like I love great animation, obviously. But I think that the problem with the animation that we have in Happiness Charge, they get compensated in other aspects of the episodes, which are awesome. And even with the weak animation, you can still enjoy the fights because the choreography is very creative. Yeah. You can see that they could have been drawn better here and this frame is very weird and everything, but you can still enjoy it, you know, unless you're very picky about animation. <laughs> Another thing that may displease some people is the international cures. I think that sometimes when we are talking about Happiness Charge, we talk about the, the international cures. Like we talk a lot about them and how great the idea is. Mm. But I think there are two aspects. The first one is that they barely appear in the season. Like mm. we see very few of them and very fast. And sometimes like there is the Aloha Precure episode, but the others, they don't get like specific episodes. They just appear in some form. Yeah. And so I feel like sometimes we as a fandom, we hype them a little too much. And when people are going to watch it, they don't see them as much. Yeah, and yeah. I think that international cures can also fall into the stereotypes from the yes. countries that they're from. And Absolutely. one thing that puts me off a little bit is the fact that I don't know if we have like a black cure in this season. I don't think we do. Like we mm -hmm. see cures from all around the world. Yeah, that's true. Actually. I was trying to keep a tabs on who was being represented because I remember like in the past I've tried to like look for screenshots and so on, but they're not all there, but there are all these small things. It's particularly with Phantom, we often see him just casually defeating another precure that we've never seen before. And so I see the French precure whose name is a uh, Merci precure, which is like, okay, that's the only French word you guys know. That's fine. <laughs> and then, uh, Later, we see the one from Madrid getting defeated, and there's one in Australia. There's also one from Egypt, and the Egyptian Precure is definitely not black. The Indian mm -hmm. Precures, there's two of them, and they're very light-skinned, and also their powers involve, like, calculators, which is, like, I don't even know what that stereotype is. And it's very frustrating because it's, like, I teach, like, little Indian girls who are so cute, and they love Precure, 
They don't know anything about the existence of these. And it's like, I would never want them to know about these Indian pre-care because this is not good representation, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I think that if it was done nowadays, it would have been a little different. Mm. You know, I feel like those topics, they still have a lot to evolve, but they have evolved so much from 2014 to now. Like, So I feel like if it was done nowadays, it would have been better. Mm. But mm, happiness charge, it wasn't. And it is such a great concept. Mm -hmm. The idea of international cures and cures fighting all over the world with villains going against them all over the world. It is so interesting. Yes, yes. But it just gets, it could have been so much better in Mm. happiness charge. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think even with the Aloha Precure episode, which is really nice, and it's like this just like little kind of filler story, but seeing this other group where there's also fighting between the cures, and it's actually kind of something that in hindsight reminds me a lot of Sweet Precure. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You're right. It's kind of whatever. And then we also see this other general character that we never see again, who is this really weird gay stereotype that yes oh my god very uncomfortable to watch but it's madame if she goes by she i i I don't remember Mm, but but yeah i just remember it's like this flamboyant person who who has a beard but Mm. is like trying to be super feminine and I remember that when I saw it at the time, I was like, I can't believe Precure is going that way. Yeah. And I understand, like, uh, there is this, the queer villains trope. And yes. I, unfortunately, we get it. They exist. But it's it's kind of like, not kind of, but very off-putting to see. Mm-hmm. And as I said, I think that uh, Precure has evolved thankfully and we yes. see like in hugto for example we see like a totally 180 from that in mm. terms of different ways of representing people that can be read as lgbtq yes yes definitely there are vast improvements since this season about that for sure yes yeah and then i think the aloha precure are the darkest international cures we get But I just also Mm -hmm. wanted to mention in particular, so the U.S. group, I think we see two or three times the Bomber Girls Precure, which is interesting. The name suggests a reference to World War II, but the girls' theme is Cowboys and Indians. And so there is definitely debate about whether or not this one girl is actually Native American representation or not. Mm -hmm. And it's like... Some people do want to say, oh, this is a Native American magical girl that appears for two seconds in this huge franchise that is almost 20 years old. But um, I think that it's not necessarily fair to say that that is representation. Like, I don't really know if I buy that they were intending for her to actually be a Native American character, if that makes sense. So, yeah, I think that just the fact that we have to discuss it, it just to me proves that it's not a good representation at all. Yes. You know, because if it was good, we wouldn't be discussing it. It would be there. It would be clear for us to see. Mm. And if we're trying to find like little crumbs to be able to discuss it, I mm. think it's not enough. You know? I agree. She can be Native American. Definitely. But is that enough? Mm. Definitely not. Mm-hmm. And of course, we do get 
uh, improvements because, you know, with uh, Star Tingle Precure, we finally have a varying skin tone uh, in Precure. Oh my god, that yeah. was, oh, I, oh my god, yeah. Soleil, come on, I love it <laughs> so much. Yes, yes, she's a great character. I am looking forward to, in the future, discussing Star Twinkle Precure and all the greatness that is Elena. But regarding happiness charge, that's probably maybe it. You know, it's not great. It's something to keep in mind. It's um, There could have been better writing when it came to international cures, and so they did not handle it as responsibly as they should have, for sure. Hmm. It is something to, of course, keep in mind just generally uh you should always be thinking critically about our media definitely yeah but um yeah uh before we go is there anything else you wanted to say about happiness charge yes there's one thing i really need to talk about which is episode 10 Hmm. which is my favorite episode i think this is one of my favorite precure episodes ever which is the episode that hoshiwa creates her own song to cure honey's song yeah (laughs) and this episode i can't stop thinking about this episode honestly i think this is the episode that i watched the most Mm, in the mm. Precure franchise. I always come back to watch it because it is so amazing. Like Hime with the Rice song is stuck in her head and she can't get it out of her head. And then she goes to the school. Everybody is singing the song and she's super nervous about it because she can't keep it out of her mind. And then at the same time, she can't, like she's angry about it, but she she starts singing with them because the song is too catchy. Yes. And then when it gets to the fight, we have Hoshiwa singing her version. Mm. There is a scene of, in this episode that Hoshiwa, it, she sets a stage just for her to sing to the Sayarks, like randomly, just like that. Yes. Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> and it's very good. <laughs> like the fight, it's so amazing. And then at the end of the episode, Kira Honey ends up revealing her identity. I yes, yes. I can't. I love this episode so much. Yeah. I have no idea what the writers were thinking, but I thank them every day. <laughs> yeah, it's a very goofy episode for sure. I mean, in general, I think choirs are a big part of Precure because they come up a lot. Mm-hmm. And basically what happens is Cure Honey's song was broadcast on TV and now everyone is singing it, which she loves, right? It's great for her. <laughs> but <laughs> so that's why even Hoshiwa is singing the song is because everyone has been singing this really catchy song about rice. It's just a great thing. You know, everybody in Japan loves rice. So it's perfect. What I like in particular about this battle is that there's this part near the end where Hoshiwa is trying to sing her version of the song which is about how sweets are the best and Kirhani starts singing her version and finally in the end the power of her song is such that Hoshiwa ends up starting to change the lyrics to Kirhani's version of the song and yes. it's just so good oh my yeah. god <laughs> oh my god yeah. this, this is oh so god good. no I can't I can't with yeah. this there's one more thing I wanted to mention. So this was something that I remember really loving at the time as well. But after Cure Honey reveals that she is Yuko, or I guess Yuko reveals that she's Cure Honey, there is actually a reference, a very small visual reference to Cutie Honey, which was one mm. of those things where you could probably figure that the writers were like, well, we have to say something. The Cutie Honey and Cure Honey is too close. Mm-hmm. So it's just like a kind of graphic design thing. 
it's at the beginning of episode 11 that uh, her name is written in the same font, I guess, as Cutie Honey's name is written in the original animation. Wow, that's so interesting. Yeah. I didn't know about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember seeing that at the time and thinking it was the funniest thing because Precure and Cutie Honey are both Magical Girl shows and Cutie Honey is like this huge franchise but they are so different from each other the kindergartners watching happiness charge per year at the time probably don't know what cutie honey is yes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah cutie honey is like classic but it's probably not one i would show to kindergartners <laughs> oh my god no please <laughs> keep it away from them as much yeah, as possible yeah. When they're older, when they're ready. Yeah. <laughs> At least teenagers, Time maybe. will come. Yeah. <laughs> I think I know the answer to this question, but I do want to ask Leo, uh, have you ever imagined a magical persona for yourself? Oh, my God. Since I discovered Magical Girls, I wanted to be a magical girl. Mm. And throughout my life, there are lots of instances that I imagined myself as a magical boy or a magical girl. And nowadays, like someone created a character called Cure Cinnamon, which is part of the name of my YouTube channel. And I don't know how to say this, but I think I see her as someone, as a cure that I would like to be real, you know, like I would love for her to be real mm. in like in real life, you know, I don't know. I just love her so much. And mm -hmm. I remember there was another instance that I, uh, when I was very into another Magical Girl show called Maho Shoujo Ikusei Keikaku. Oh, yes. Raising Project. <laughs> yes. Raising Project, which features like boys who turn into Magical Girls too. And I, mm. I had one in mind too. And I created one for myself <laughs> at the time. Oh. But yeah, it never really became something, you know, but I had some ideas and it was interesting. It, it, like, this is a franchise I also love. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Unfortunately, there isn't much content on it, apart from the novels, which is very sad because right. it's very good. Yes. But, like, it's very creative. And I think that this is another type of franchise that you can work with your creativity and you can create basically anything that you have in mind, you know? And I, yes. So, like, I don't see Cure Cinnamon as a persona of mine, you know? I would like to think that she is protecting us you know what i mean yeah yeah that's more or less what i how i see her yeah one thing i really love uh, especially in the fan cure world i think it's really great to see uh magical girls made by non-japanese fans that are more suited to their area of the world and from what little i know of all the varieties of beautiful cultures in south america I would think that even just Brazil, like there would be so much there, just culturally speaking, to make amazing magical girl characters, I think. Oh my God, you're totally right on this. And there, I need to talk about this. Look, I know we're just finishing, but I really need to say this. I'm so sorry. No, we it's okay. haven't Please talked do. about Coconut Samba, which is a form oh, change yes. from Cure Honey. And yes. I know 
that carnival is a worldwide phenomenon and mm -hmm. lots of different cultures have carnival as part of their culture. But I really mm -hmm. like seeing this in Cure Honey because Cure Honey is dressed just as a pacist in carnival, in a carnival party. And it's such a big part of Brazilian culture. And I love yeah. every time she uses, she transforms into the coconut samba form to use the maracas mm. spark attack. I love it. It's mm. a party for me. And so I think Brazil is a, a country that can deliver a lot for sure. We have so many great artists here and we also have so many great artists who like magical girls. Unfortunately, the, the fan base of Precure in Brazil is not that huge. Hmm. There are Precure fans here. But I totally agree with what you said. There is a lot of culture here that could be part of the magical girl world. Yeah. It would be amazing. Yeah, I hope we can get that in the future from like some Brazilian artists, for sure. And actually, that's very interesting because I was thinking about talking about that aspect, but we kind of end up passing it by because there's just so much to talk about with Happiness Charge. Yes. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so the form changes. Uh, each girl gets two. Each name is a mix of a food and a kind of dance or something like that. So it's very interesting because, yeah, we have this variety of different dances and so on. And I think that it's really interesting to get your take on it because for me watching it, sometimes I feel a little uncomfortable because it kind of does feel a little bit like appropriation. Like, is this really an appropriate way to use this particular dance or so on? But it's these are all cultures that I'm not fully familiar with, you know. Mm -hmm. So Kira Princess, she has a hula dance. And despite it being my favorite form change in terms of the costume lollipop hip-hop is really awkward we could watch because <laughs> it's just like I, she's dancing around and then she's like yo 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 and it's like is this what hip-hop is to you guys is really <laughs> <laughs> i feel secondhand embarrassment for them for that decision mm -hmm. yeah i really <laughs> like that costume too like yeah. in terms of uh, like seeing a piece of brazilian culture we usually like seeing Brazil represented in things. Mm. It's very hard to say collectively about Brazil because <laughs> you can say anything about Brazil and you'd be correct because there's everything and anything here. But I think that we're a little tired of seeing football everywhere. <laughs> but when it happens, even if it's football, we are happy to see Brazil represented. You know, like mm. every time there are like lots of cultures being represented, we are on the lookout to see if Brazil will be there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm. And uh, in terms of uh, the coconut samba, I particularly love it. And I remember when it came out at the time... Some people were like, I can't believe they're referencing Carnival and Precure. <laughs> like some people were laughing. Some people were loving it just like me. But I don't think there was a sense of anger towards it. Mm. You know, at least here mm -hmm. in terms of Coconut Samba. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, well, I'm not of the culture, so I can't really say. But I know that generally speaking looking at the global media i guess just generally south america is so often forgotten in a way that's very disappointing but i know for japan brazil is huge because our biggest japanese population outside of japan is in brazil and uh, i think it's great to see that like at least a little bit of understanding and and so on so mm -hmm. 
there's still a lot of improvement that could be uh, done there, but I do think that we are learning to slowly start to incorporate more and understand more, culturally speaking. I mean, again, we've seen even in Precure some improvements since Happiness Charge. So Definitely, yeah. Precure has come a long way. Yeah, for sure. Leo, thank you so much for talking to me about Happiness Charge and Magical Girls for so long. Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> It's interesting because we talked a lot, but it doesn't feel like it. Yeah, it's, yeah. It was so fun. So fun. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. So where can people find you online to talk to you more about Happiness Charge and all other Precure? Oh, please come talk to me about Happiness Charge. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. You just have to search for Magical Cinnamon. Mm -hmm. Mostly, I'm not very much active on Instagram, but I'm very active on Twitter and YouTube as well. So if you could subscribe to my channel, I would be very thankful. Yes, it's a very lovely thing. I always look forward to your videos. <laughs> Thank you. Oh my God. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I don't know what to say. <laughs> it's always important to have, I guess, a, a diversity of voices in the Magical Girl fandom. So I'm really happy that you were able to get the time to talk to me so <laughs> yeah thank you oh my god i had the time of my life it's so much fun <laughs> i'm glad to thank hear you that. so much for having me yeah thanks Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Sparkle Side Chats with Magical Girl Ayu. Please subscribe, rate, and review if you like it, and don't forget to tell your friends about the show if you think they'd be interested. If you use social media, don't forget to use the hashtag SparkleSideChats when talking about and sharing the podcast. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at MagicalGirlAyu, spelled A-Y-U, and you can find me at Ayushinos, A-Y-U-S-H-E-K-N-O-W-S. You can also email us at sparklesidechats at gmail.com. Let us know if there's a topic you want covered or a fan or creator you want to hear from. Show notes can be found on your platform of choice or at anchor.fm slash sparkleside. You can also join the Discord for this podcast and talk about Magical Girls 24-7, often chatting directly with me and both previous and upcoming guests of the podcast. Just contact me for an invite link anytime, or, if you're shy, you can get a public invite every week after the latest episode is released. If you can support the podcast financially, you can buy me a coffee at co-fi.com slash with Kofi membership tiers, you can get bonus content, announcements about episode topics, and your name read aloud on the podcast. Original podcast music is by Hazel. You can find her on Twitter at TwinkleParks. Thanks again for listening, and remember, you are magical.